Welcome to the Tria Prima podcast, a podcast about the Western esoteric tradition in Freemasonry. I'm with uh, Jake Schreyer and Jamie Paul Lamb. Hey, guys. Howdy. And that's Pat Shanahan with the intro. It is. With the golden intro. <laughs> yeah. You have a question. I have a question. Um, I've, I've seen the name of another organization pop up a bunch, and I thought maybe we could talk about that. And, uh, and that organization's the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn. How does that fit into the Western esoteric tradition? And, and uh, um, what's that all about? How are they different than, say, the Rosicrucians that we've talked about or Freemasonry or, um, you know, any of those other groups? Well, I think it's important to say first that it's not the, um, the like, the uh, pseudo-Nazi organization that goes by the same name. Oh, Ooh. the Greek nationalist? Yeah, yeah. So when you Google search the Golden Dawn, you can get one of two things. You can get a yeah, a Greek nationalist sort of neo-Nazi thing, or you can get the uh, 1887 uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So if you're going to do some Google searching, just make sure you don't uh, mix the two up. Okay. conflate the two yeah there's no greek nationalism no. about the hermetic order of the golden yeah Dawn. so h h h h h o g d h o g d um yeah so the hermetic order of the golden dawn is uh, i'm not an expert or a historian or really a golden dawn aficionado um, by any means but um a couple of Freemasons back in the late 1800s um, got together and created a an initiatic system that was based upon the the Rosicrucian sort of grade schema of the um, the the that works up the tree of life. You know the Kabbalistic sort of uh, initiatic uh, system. Uh, Westcott. Mathers and Little Woodman. Woodman. Yeah. So, uh, so Victorian era magical society mm-hmm. in England, right? Um, kind of spearheaded by three initial chiefs, which, like you were saying, William Wynne Westcott, Samuel Little, McGregor Mathers, and um, Doctor Woodman. Was it? I forget his first name. Yeah, uh, Doctor Wood William Woodman maybe I forget his name, but uh, there's lots of W's. Yeah, my understanding is that um, is that or so Kenneth Mackenzie, right, the author of the Masonic Encyclopedia. Um, he was a member of Sat Baha'i. He was a member of the Society of Eight, which included uh, Frederick Hockley, and he was a a renowned British occultist um, who actually went to uh, Paris to meet with Eliphas Levy at one point. I want to say somewhere around 1860, pretty early on. He was a younger man at that time. Uh, Mackenzie met with um, Eliphas Levy. He was, uh, you know, just long time occultist and freemason and what happened was is he died and westcott william Wynne westcott 
went down to the south of England, like I want to say Brighton or someplace, you know, on the south coast of England. And he went down there to get some documents uh, regarding um, some other like Masonic rite. And I forget which one, but it might have been Sat Baha'i or one of those other ones. But he, he went to get the documents for these because there were a lot of collectors of rights at that time, like Jonathan Yarker, where they would, and Theodore Rouse in Germany. These people would collect a lot of uh, extant rights that weren't in use. Like we would talk about the AMD today. You know, the AMD is this modern depository of rights that are no longer really <clears throat> allied what, masonic degrees yeah that are not really worked um you know they work them i suppose but it's kind of this collection of just extant rights so mm -hmm. people would buy these rights and reinstate them and refurbish them and things like that um that's the historical masonic stuff that you know other people are experts on that but uh, anyway, so so Mackenzie dies in, in the south of England, on the coast somewhere. Westcott goes down there from London to retrieve these papers, documents about a certain Masonic rite. From his wife, right? From Mackenzie's widow, right? Yeah. Uh, widow, Mackenzie yeah. had just died. Mackenzie and Westcott had somewhat of a strained relationship because of their involvement in Societas Rosicruciana in Anglia. So the the Masonic Rosicrucians in England. So he goes down there to get these rites. Um, and in the cache of documents, among those documents are, I want to say, 60 folios that form this manuscript. And this manuscript is in a Trithemian cipher, which Trithemius was Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa's teacher. And he used a certain cipher. And um, Mackenzie wrote these, these folios in that cipher for an order, a certain order that was sort of nameless, I think, right? So, so Westcott's curiosity is piqued after he brings these home and sees these certain amount of folios in this manuscript. So he sets out to decipher them, and he does, and he finds that they contain exquisite information regarding correspondences to the Hebrew alphabet, the planets, the elements, and the zodiac, as they pertain in a very, like, Yetzirik sort of way, like a Sefer Yetzirah sort of way mm. to the major arcana of the tarot. Now, he did know, as we as all know... to say Kabbalistic. Kabbalistic. For, 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 Proto-Kabbalistic. Yeah. Well, just for those who maybe don't know Yetzirik or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. So, so, what he... Um, so, this is basically like this guy goes to his rival's house or a guy who he's got this strained relationship with. Certainly a superior of his. Though. A superior of his, okay. Uh -huh. And he finds this this finds collection of ciphered Manus documents and is like, oh, what's this? What, what, what was he working on? Well, he, he probably gets really curious and there's something, you know. And it, it sounds like there was a lot of documents. And he, yeah. He goes through it and, he, and all of a sudden realizing, oh, wow, there's some 
there's some value here. There's a real there's there's some real knowledge here. Yes, precisely. And he does know that Mackenzie was working on a book of tarot. Hmm. He was that was his project that he never got to complete. And who knows? Maybe these cipher manuscripts had something to do with his tarot project, and he was writing them in a cipher. So Westcott goes back to London. He finds these ciphered folios in a manuscript among these other documents uh, that he was actually going down there to look for. He's he's curious about them. He deciphers them, and he finds that they contain um, a wealth of material, but not really any actionable like grade work, right? Um, he recognizes this material as being loosely sort of Rosicrucian. Ritual, though. I don't think there was much ritual in the cipher manuscripts. So that's where kind of Mathers comes in. Oh. Hmm. So so Westcott deciphers them. He gives he kind of lays all this material on Mathers, who then being a brilliant ritualist and just, you know, brilliant all around, um, is able to is able to um, create the outer order of mm -hmm. the Golden Dawn. So this outer order of the Golden Dawn are these elemental grades. Right. So. There was no inner order, obviously, at this point. So they created this uh, system of grades or rituals, right? A rite. And, um, and largely, Mathers is the sort of architect of the ritualism of these the material in the cipher manuscripts. So then they, then they just recruit Woodman, Dr. Woodman, because he was their supreme magus, or rather, was he? Yes, he was the supreme magus of SRIA. And that's why they wanted, because legitimization and lineage are important to these people, right? Mm. So they recruit Woodman, who died a year after, you know, he was, he was kind of brought in to be one of the three chiefs of the original Golden Dawn. So this is 87. So they're creating these these rites based upon this 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 really good information. Is that is that so that they can use these rites to learn this information to kind of like build that archetypal temple within themselves of like to to to, to you know sometimes you 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 learn better through experience. Was that the whole idea or the, these rites? What was what was the the point of turning it into? I think a you ritual. have to read some of their, uh, you know, they would address mm. the temples. And I think you could find, I don't know the answer to oh, that. Okay. But I think that you could find at least partially some answers to that in some of their uh, communications to, to, the, to the temples, which, which are available. Like that pl Plenty of that material is available. Do you know? Well, there were... So there were some tall tales spun around that, right? Because Westcott presumably got these from, I mean, almost definitely got these from Mackenzie. But when he came back and kind of told the story, it changed a bit. So he and Mathers were in cahoots on a different story to add a... a 
a certain Rosicrucian lineage to this. So they made up Fraulein Sprengel. Fraulein Sprengel. Yeah. So Fraulein Sprengel, or sometimes Anna Sprengel, but I think it's really just Fraulein Sprengel. Um, She was this uh, Rosicrucian initiate in Germany who who Westcott ostensibly had contact with. Real person or made up? Made up. Made up, okay. So, but... But nobody knew this but Westcott and Mathers. And and when they, just to flash forward a little bit, when they split up and had their personal schism, Mathers rolled over on Westcott and kind of spilled the beans on that whole thing. You know, that the lineage, the pristine Rosicrucian lineage from Germany was in fact a hoax, you know. Um, and that's what everybody kind of who's serious about it kind of believes, right? Um, so, so yeah, he made up and, and having that sort of pedigree, they were able to attract, um, occultists in and around London, you know, whether from, um, Anna Kingsford's, whatever it was, Hermetic Society, uh, from the, from Blavatsky's Theosophical Society and the, um, what was it called? The Theosophical Society in London under Blavatsky had a uh, had another side order called the Esoteric. Uh, what was it called? You know what I'm talking about? It was no. called the the Esoteric Arm or the Esoteric School or whatever. It was. We need Lauren. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there we was need, a, this side Gallagher. group of Theosophists called the Esoteric Something and. And they also made up... In fact, I think that was a response to this burgeoning Golden Dawn influence in London. You know? Other other competi- competing groups They were up? competing, yeah, be, yeah. yeah for, exactly. For members so and- theosophists sort of were in... And, and the GD, early GD, they were in sort of... You know, because there's only a small pool of British occultists in and around London, so... I mean, some people were in both, and some people were in, you know, one or the other. And wouldn't you also have had Papoose doing his thing with Martinism at the, around the same time as well? I, yeah, I don't know much about it. It was probably around the same time, but I, I think there was little to no intermingling between his Rosicrucian. Th- he and like Papoose and uh, and who was the other guy who was do- uh, Paladin? Paladin or Paladin or yeah, whatever his name is, but also a, a big resurgence in uh, in uh, M- Masonic stuff late eighteen hundreds too. Well, certainly all of those rites, right? Like a ton Yarker. of stuff going on. Yeah, Yarker and Hockley and these collectors of rites. And um, what's what's interesting is um, is that. Uh, what was I going to say? So it had something to do with that French kind of deal. Well, you're, you're, you're talking about um, the 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 German. The lineage wasn't. It was a hoax. It wasn't. It wasn't right. And uh, oh yeah, so that that was the other point is that when they did end up putting this together, they they used the grade like Jake was talking about earlier. They used the grade structure. Of the um, the Orden Orden des 
Gold und Rosenkreuzer. Rosenkreuzer. The, yeah. the Orden des Gold und Rosenkreuzer, which was Hermann Fichtuld and Samuel Richter. So, not at the same time, but now these guys are in the 18th century. So, these guys are 100 years, I think, plus earlier, right? And this is the first time you see um, the grades of like Zeliter, Neophyte, Theoricus, Practicus, Philosophus, Adeptus Minor, Adeptus Major, Adeptus Exemptus, etc. These are the first time you see this Sephirothic grade structure. By Sephirothic, I mean it's laid out like the Sephiroth on the Tree of Life. And there are grades associated with each sphere. So you ascend through these spheres in this grade structure. And the first time we see that is in the Orden des Gold und Rosenkreuzer, uh, which is a full hundred years at least earlier. Hmm. So they kind of took this, and that was no longer being worked, right? That order was no longer being worked by a stretch. So, so they kind of took that and hung Mackenzie's, folios and the cipher manuscript material on that and Mathers erected uh, a suite of of grades or degrees mm. basically so that's where you get outer order so that's 1887-1888 and so they've they've got this outer order and they're 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 doing these rites and they're they're bringing they're they're creating initiates is that right bringing yeah, for sure. More and more, and people. it's co-ed. So co-ed. there's a big difference because these guys were already Society of Christiana, and they were Freemasons. However, in order to maybe to compete with the Theosophical sort of the burgeoning Theosophical Society and Anna Kingsford, her Anna Kingsford's Hermetic group, maybe they were like, "Hey, we need something that is co-ed." You know, because we're missing out on 50% of our potential uh, members here. So, um, hence the the Fraulein Sprengel deal. Hence this Rosicrucian stuff where it's like co-ed, you know. And um, they were really able to do something that had hitherto not been done in the Masonosphere in, mm. in England at that time. Hmm. And it was pretty successful for... Uh, I would say until those the Madame Horos and that until the two guys uh, kind of had their schism, right? Yeah, which I think was precipitated by a couple of um, public scandals. Mm. What what kind of scandals? Like what happened? Like there was the Madame Horos scandal. What is that? Which was uh, there was this um, American charlatan woman and her husband and another hanger on that they that they traveled with and she convinced she somehow convinced mathers when he was in paris uh running his uh what was it ahathor temple or i forget the name of his temple in paris ahathor maybe um hathor temple i think it was and uh 
they came into contact with him and somehow were they were able to hoodwink him into thinking that they had already taken these rights and they had gotten them from some other German source or other or something like that because they knew just enough and they were conniving just enough. And, and plus, um, Mathers was gullible enough and, and believed like that they had gotten in contact with chiefs that he wasn't in contact with chiefs being so we should contextualize what we mean by chiefs in the golden dawn context yeah so a chief you can have a temple chief so there is you can have the the imperator the premonstrator and the cancellarius of a temple so that is like the essentially the worshipful master the head of education and the secretary is almost kind of what that equates to. Okay. So yeah, you every temple, every GD temple, even today has a has a uh, an imperator, a premonstrator, and a cancellarius or a cancellaria or premonstratrix if it's feminine, whatever. So um, so those are three temple chiefs. But then you have order chiefs, right? And temple chiefs are greatly honored. Greatly honored frater or greatly honored sorer, right? Then you have order chiefs, which are also a, a, an imperator, a premonstrator, and a cancellarius or cancellaria. And they are very honored, right? So that's their kind of... Um, that's what you use to address them, which differentiates them from merely temple chiefs. So those are order chiefs. But then even beyond the order chiefs, you have secret chiefs. So this is a different idea. And secret chiefs roughly corresponds to Blavatsky's idea of a kind of great white brotherhood or a ascended masters deal. Yeah. Ascended Masters, I think, is a, what most people would know how to equate that. Right. So if you talk about uh, Master Maitreya or whatever, whoever, I don't know much about Ascended Master theory, but uh, these are these beings who are not necessarily even embodied, right? These are numinous, rarefied entities who are, who are not, who are extra human in some way and who allegedly live outside of any specific order even like they they kind of span all of these esoteric orders and all of them sort of uh are at the i don't know not at the mercy but they necessarily all sort of uh uh lead up to that secret chief level you know at least that's what i've heard yeah they're like like they live beyond any specific order or or don't live but like some sort of bodhisattva i don't know what that is or something like so yeah there's those planes of chiefdom i suppose a temple chief an order chief and a secret chief secret chiefs are those you know rarefied ephemeral beings or ethereal beings of some sort but all- you you have sorry just to just to touch on another you have post schism you you have s- certain really big names 
in the uh, post original Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Pre. Uh, I'm saying after. Oh, so after after the schism, you have some big names that um, have allegedly had a, a court like conversation and, and interface with secret chiefs, and you can you can buy books and read. So Paul Paul Clark, Doctor Paul Clark, wrote a book on Paul Case where he he talks about some of the the dialogue that happened between Case and the, the chiefs. And involved so Paul Foster Case being a member of Alpha Ed Omega. Alpha Ed Omega, and he, and they used apparently a um, a uh, what's it called on your computer? Ouija there? board. Ouija, well, Ouija board. Hmm. And letter by letter wrote out some of the dialogue that. Ha- so I don't know. There's there's places where you can find again alleged communication with the secret chiefs or. Or in-person interface with someone who, who might have been a secret chief that kind of came down and, or is, or is living like, just looks like a normal person, in kind of a businessy suit and admonished someone in the kind of the history of this GD stuff of, of something and that became a big deal. I don't which know. Is, which is again kind of what what Mathers thought was going on with Madame Horos. He he might not have considered her a chief. But he considered her somebody in the lineage who had contact with the chiefs. Yeah. So she told a good story. That's why she was able to gain his confidence. And again, he was a bright, bright guy, a genius, right? And um, but still duped by this American con artist woman who was just your your typical American spiritualist occultist uh, who just happened to know enough of the right words. To be able to uh, hoodwink Mathers in Paris. Anyway, what's hap- what happens is this: um, she goes back to London. Uh, let me see if I can get this straight. And then they confer. So she sees the grades, either in Paris or in London. She is able to see the grades, and she borrows some of the ritual work from Mathers, who lends it to her like an idiot. And then and then she goes back and she starts conferring these grades, her and her husband and this one female follower of theirs, right? Another American. And they start conferring these grades on young, impressionable British women. And they literally like one of them was like raped and there was sexual like um, there was like sexual um what do you call it? Sexual, uh, har- not harassment, but uh, sexual um, assault. Assault. Yeah, they were. They were. They sexually assault these initiates. This is Madame Horos, her husband, and uh, and this one other chick, and and th- the authorities find out about it, and then they throw the whole Golden Dawn under the bus. So all of a sudden, the Golden Dawn becomes this, like, what in the hell? These people believe what? What are they doing? And it's like, they're into magic and summoning entities and, you know, all sorts of weird shit in Victorian England, right? So you can imagine how uptight and prudish. And they just get, 
they just get tarred and feathered to the max to where there are it becomes a public like joke and it becomes this thing where there are literally i've seen them there are like greeting cards and things like that that like um make fun of like golden dawn and swami stuff and gurus and things like that it's like a it's like a complete um like a new agey farce you know and and that's what sort of precipitates the real schism that happened at the end of the 19th century the horos affair they call it and so basically they get mad at each other well who is it that, who is it that gets mad at Mathers? One of the guys gets mad at Mathers for this whole event, right? Oh no, the whole the, the, the whole uh, Isis Urania temple in London turns on Mathers. So everyone's mad at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he's hide, he's out in Paris just doing his own thing with Ahathor Temple, I think was the name of it. And meanwhile, the Isis Urania temple, the original temple in London, they're all like, "No, this guy's out." And they revolt against Mathers, you know, and uh, they try and get behind Westcott. But Westcott, you know, who was the one who found the cipher manuscripts, he's like, man, I got to kind of chill on this because he's a coroner in London. He's like a public official. So this whole thing blows up in his face and he's got to make some space between him and the Golden Dawn or else he's going to lose his job. Which at that time, well, now even, but at that time was just like, your life's over. Right. So so he's... And he was trying to do his Jack the Ripper thing. Like, he was trying to, you know, focus in on that. Oh, at the time he was trying to catch Jack the Ripper? No, he was. Really? No. No. <laughs> oh, damn. I, did, I was going to say, I never heard that. <laughs> that would be a cool I story. I just blow, blow that wide open on the Tree of Prima podcast. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the timing works. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, so yeah, and then then you just get things spiraling out and splintering mm. and various factions wanting to grab the helm while it's kind of and vacated. It's c- kind of weird where it goes. You end up with um New Zealand places like New Zealand. Yeah, Falcon goes to New Zealand. Yeah, you you get hmm. so post schism you get these temples that pop up all over the place. Yeah, Thothermes in Chicago. Yeah, so and that's that's where a lot. So no real lineage through that schism in terms of like a master to student or anything like that. But there there are some pretty legitimate organizations that pick up where it left off, but they either drop some stuff or pick up some new stuff in terms of. Uh, embellishments to the rights well like stella matutina is one right so stella matutina which in fact if you everybody's familiar with regardi's big black brick the mm-hmm. golden dawn yeah um well that technically is stella matutina ritual that's not precisely golden dawn material it's it's post schism stella matutina yeah um so there are some differences not a whole lot but enough to where it is a different slightly different system and uh well in the original just to say it again we kind of mentioned this but the original cipher manuscript wasn't huge it wasn't a lot it was it's, it was kind of the uh, scaffolding that they 
that they built upon or whatever. But um, so I think a lot of the material that exists now is post schism, right? Like a lot of the the ritual that exists is alpha at omega or it's BOTA stuff or it's um, AA or, AA. or Stella Matutina, right? Um, so what, what else? What else, Pat? Yeah, from there, it just like it lo- starts to look more like a bush than a tree. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you know, even the splinter groups splinter. You know, and they to this day, to this day, to this day, yeah. So there are there open source Golden Dawn. There's Hermetic Society of the Golden Dawn. There's uh, there's um, Griffin's uh, thing, whatever the hell that is. There's uh, the Ciceros, of course, carrying on more or less a Stella Matutina. Um, Self initiate. There's books on self initiation into the Golden Dawn. Right. Or sovereign initiation, whatever you want to call it. But the overall philosophy, the overall ideas. I mean, the the, the organizations are interesting, but the, but the the whole point of the organization is to pass along these ideas about Kabbalah, about how Kabbalah, tarot, astrology, how they kind of I see intersect. What you're saying. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, so the outer order grades are kind of learning grades, just as they are in Societis Rosicruciana. So with every one of the outer order grades, there's a corresponding knowledge lecture, and that is the real value of the Golden Dawn outer order grades. So structurally, it works like this. With each one of those grades, there is a knowledge lecture, and they're contingent on their predecessor, and they build into really a comprehensive, though syncretized, idea of of Western esotericism and um, you know mythology and magic and Egyptianisms and things like that, kind of braided into this, and Kabbalah, of course, and all these Hermetic and Neoplatonic theurgical ideas that are sort of braided and not to mention astrology and alchemy and things like that all of this stuff just is collated so nicely and braided into this really nice corresponding system it's almost i've described it before as the sort of bottleneck through which through which the western esoteric tradition passes where it's just like all of these disparate kind of things just finally get braided into this one beautiful cohesive coherent and workable kind of system and then and then after the schism they just start to diffuse again you know but there is a moment in time there really in the 1890s right where this curriculum is just fully developed and so sequential and so beautiful and so ordered largely thanks to Mathers right with his correspondences and stuff and Mackenzie of course the the author of the cipher manuscripts so that's the outer order there is arguably no better one-stop shop education in western occultism than the outer order grades of the golden dawn they're awesome right so 
So if there's an outer order, does that mean there's also an inner order? Certainly. So so we talked about 1887 and 1888 being the formation and codification of these outer order grades. So in 1893, Mathers decides to bring in this Rosicrucian and these Rosicrucian and Enochian elements and these other like theurgical elements like practically practical magic with uh you know like insoling or animating statues and talismans and and amulets and pantacles and things like that and like really like getting into magical work so you've taken everything that you've learned in these outer order grades and then in the inner order in 1893 he forms the the Ah, what is it? A A at R C, and it stands for the. Oh, it stands for the. Uh, oh, oh shit! I can't remember what the A A stands for, but then it's. Rube Crucis. Uh, it's escaping me now, but it's A A at R C, is what it is. The A A and the R C. Anyway, so that's the inner order group. And the the inner order is where you get into this practical magic stuff and certain um, Rosicrucian and Hermetic ideas and a really big Rosicrucian ceremony involving Christian Rosenkreutz, the central character of the Rosicrucian mythos. Um, you are you allegorically sort of portray him. I think I haven't done any of that, but I, I from what I understand you. You portray Christian Rosenkreuz, Rosenkreuz much like in um, Masonry's uh, um, central allegory. There's a certain thing that happens. It's similar to a Masonic sort of thing, I mm. think. That's interesting. Okay. Um, and so this this still exists today, but still in different... Yeah, hard to say that that exists to this day, or you can't say that that exists to this day, but there are groups to this day that are some of them are in keeping with uh, um, more of the the original um, cipher manuscript and the original outer order grades as they were with with the Egyptianisms and the Enochian stuff maybe in the inner order and stuff and then there are other groups who have who have dropped some of those Egyptianisms and have dropped the Enochian stuff um, and like soldiers of the atom. Yeah, and sort of spice racked the 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 skeleton of the golden dawn and, and t- turned it into something that's more workable for for their culture or, or whatever you want to call it. So, in terms of a direct lineage, it doesn't exist. Uh, it doesn't exist. But there are. But it's been an inspiration for a bunch oh, of things. Oh, b- big time! Yeah, and there are pl- there there are groups all over the world still that work some form of, of golden and to this day places like new zealand um or new york or london still have a strong current of golden dawn stuff phoenix has i would say a strong current of oh yeah a couple different mm-hmm. uh, orders that are GD-based. california's got a lot of stuff going on as well <laughs> and i'm sure a bunch of places we don't even um uh down in South America and Mexico, I think there's a big um, interest in Rosicrucian stuff and Golden Dawn stuff. So, all right, yeah, no, no, nobody that can claim, uh, nobody can claim rather that there's a 
that they're working a direct sort of lineage group that, that ties back to the 1887-88 stuff. I think the last one that can kind of claim something close was probably uh, Fare Ra. So it's spelt W-H-A-R-E. Yeah, it looks space, like Ware Ra. It looks like Ware Ra, but it's Fare Ra because it's a Aboriginal term. Hmm. It's in uh, New Zealand. And it closed, I think, in the 70s, sometime in the mid-70s. And there was another order that uh, there was another uh, Golden Dawn temple that stretched back very a very long time in Bristol, England. Hmm. Um, I know that there were a f- there were a few that really lasted a long time that go pretty much all the way back, you know, like uh, Falcons New Zealand stuff at Farira, and and another one in Bristol that that was. Uh, pretty old and it might have been a alpha at omega um but i'm not sure but they they lasted into the into the 70s unbroken so so on the podcast we've talked about freemasonry we've talked about rosicrucianism we've talked a little bit about kabbalah we've now we've talked about golden dawn are there other any other orders that we need to talk about going forward are there are any other uh groups oh, that have man. a f- a real fascinating history or um i'm sure sh- there's probably a bunch that we could make you know a, a quickie podcast on whether it's uh well why don't whether we invite the listener to oh tell us yeah let, let us know what you're interested in We'd yeah love there's, to a, there's a bunch down of more stuff, i'm sure but um yeah i think we wanted to make this one kind of a quickie we probably went absolutely even, we should probably even longer than we we should have the, the golden dawn could this could this subject could warrant multiple podcasts, you know, if we wanted to get into the practical sort of stuff or the historical stuff. Any of that could be its own couple-hour thing. Oh, yeah. This was just a curse. This seemed like just a cursory Cur- historical overview. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and I definitely think that there's there's a lot more to dive in on these these individual characters because these, these seem to be like the some of the core characters of kind of this – so the kind of history of occultism and in, in the um and for for me it's these are the the kind of people in this this victorian area where you just kind of can see it for movies you can see yeah you know the the the, the parlor mm-hmm. groups that would get together and, and they were especially massive, in a place like london they right. were massive personalities too right. they and there were so many like full of was, ideas there, and, and there was so much like interpersonal friction and stuff like that if you want to know probably the best book on that is um Alec howe's the magicians of the golden dawn the magicians of the golden dawn yeah okay. by Alec howe Alec howe oh my god it was so good it reads like you know it's like the story it's a story you want to read they're so interesting and so eccentric. That's what I, people. yeah, it, it, there's, yeah. They, they all seem like eccentric characters. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of makes me think of like, it's like the occult version of the impressionist artists that were hanging out in Paris together. For and, sure. You know? Exactly that sort of well, a, a, a lot of the people that came through the Golden Dawn or one of its tributary groups, or would those be distributary groups, were like famous artists or poets. Um, yeah, Yeats, Florence Farr, um, 
yeah, Oscar Wilde's wife, I think. Um, I'm trying to think of the. Um, oh man, there. I'm pretty sure the the person who who's the author of um, of. Uh, uh, oh, what's the Robert Downey Jr. played him recently in? Oh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan. Yeah, wasn't Arthur Conan Doyle a Golden Dawn guy? I, no, I don't think he was, but I think he was in that mix and they courted him. But uh, mm. but who was, was um, Arthur Macon, I want to say. Was it Arthur Macon or who's the guy who wrote The Yellow Sign? Um, yeah, a bunch of those guys were, uh, there were several of them. Who people, were, you know, people that a lot of people nowadays know by their works yeah. were certainly involved in this stuff. So it was influential, still is, I think, kind of influential and feels like kind of gaining steam again frankly in places like phoenix but anyways i think we usually like to put put a bow on this with resources absolutely and we'll we'll kind of try to pull together some of those books yeah people want to dive in um just to maybe list a few there's a great series um light extended that i think is a really cool series there's three of them out now under the carabum press yeah uh, that Jamie's written for a few times. Um, Darcy Kuntz has put out some great material. In fact, has has the uh, uh, the cipher manuscript. Yeah, the complete cipher manuscript. And a lot of the Golden Dawn so- source works that have come out of um, Holmes Publishing Group as well. And the Golden Dawn Research Trust. Yep. So we'll put some some stuff and uh, r.a gilbert he's another one r.a gilbert r.a gilbert's uh golden dawn companion and the golden dawn scrapbook those are really essential i'd go ellick howe first thing and then maybe darcy's stuff because yeah. darcy has good source work material yeah so we'll, we'll put that stuff in the description anything else I think that's it. I think that, that kind of wraps it up for this one. We wanted right. to make this one a, a quick one. Yeah, we're, um, we're going to do a few quickies maybe. Just like to, to, to reiterate, Jamie's got a book out now. Uh, it's uh, it's called The Archetypal Temple. It's uh, the second book that Tria Prima has published, um, the first being P.D. Newman's Angels in Vermilion. And uh, you can collect them all. Collect them all. You can find them on uh, triaprima.co. There's buy buttons all over the place so you can't miss them please and those that that money goes to the authors and goes towards supporting the site and the podcast and all that good stuff so and then come to phoenix and jamie will sign it hunt him down he'll meet you at a circle k parking lot somewhere and sign your book yep yeah sounds good (laughs) all All right right. thanks see you thanks